This is Homeowner Talk Radio with your host, Mark Evinger. Now, here's Mark. All right, first up on the show is Howie Nestel, the president of Sharkmatic Advertising. Uh, Howie, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. I've gotten to know you a little bit. I know you're heavily involved, like, in philanthropic, uh, philanthropic. Did I say that That's right? it, philanthropic. <laughs> Activities here in the local area. So you're somebody that cares about the community, not just, you know, as a business leader, but also as a, a real person. So I, I appreciate that. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, marketing is what I do to make a living. Philanthropy is what I do to make a life. And they actually work pretty good together, right? I mean, because you can market whatever yes. you're doing. I actually spent many years, I've been in marketing now for three and a half decades, but I spent many years keeping those separate because I had this limiting belief that if I benefited somehow in my marketing business through my philanthropy, that somehow mother nature or karma was going to punish me for that. So I tried to keep them separate. It wasn't until about 10 years ago that I realized that the power of my network of 1,500 clients over 35 years can really contribute greatly to the 100 or so nonprofits that I've sat on the boards of or chaired events for. So I've combined them and uh, doing much bigger, greater things, both in marketing and in the nonprofit world. Yeah, I love it. I, that's one of the reasons why I got involved in marketing as well, because once you're there, you can kind of do everything else. So they, I think that it connects well with everything. Well, think about this, you know, and I, and I joke around and I say I'm the world's poorest philanthropist, but I can write a limited check to a nonprofit. But with my advertising expertise and my network of people, I can share a gala and raise half a million dollars in one night, a lot more money than I could write a check for. Yeah, that's powerful too. That's all right, so tell me, what is your history with advertising? When did you get involved and how long have you been doing it? Well, I was going to work on Wall Street. I studied finance. I was at UT Business School. I had three interviews in New York. And one of them, my last interview, uh, the guy said to me, um, coincidentally, by the way, he was the parent of a friend's uh, a roommate. And it turned out to be the CEO of Citicorp. And I had no idea who I was interviewing with. And this was pre-cell phones. And so I had his number. I called him at his apartment in Manhattan. And I set up a meeting and showed up at Citicorp. They took me right up to Tower 2, to the top floor. And within an hour, the guy said, you should do something else for a living, <laughs> oh, not finance. So I had an opportunity to work for Procter & Gamble in consumer products sales and marketing. So I took that job instead of going to work on Wall Street. And I loved it. I spent a year or so there. Then I went to work for an international ad agency that handled Procter & Gamble business. Then I was in my mid-20s and I knew everything. So I decided to become self-unemployed. And here I am 35 years later and having built an ad agency and been, been a partner in uh, two dozen other businesses over the past 35 years. You know, I missed my 20s when I knew everything. Yeah. What about you guys? No, yeah. Same thing, right? It's yeah. a long time. It all figured out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long time for me oh, too. Yeah. Like two weeks. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, okay, so pre-internet advertising, and and now we're in a new age. So how would you contrast it to? Oh well, night and day, except that they're connected. Okay. Yeah. So what we used to do when there was only radio, television, and print and billboards is very different than what we do now with social media, web, search engine optimization, pay-per-click, that kind of stuff. However, some of the concepts and some of the forms of storytelling and curating content still apply today. And I think the mistake that a lot of business owners make because they're experts at what they do for a living, but they're not experts at marketing, 
somehow feel that because social media is free and because the internet is somewhat free or cheap, that you should just put stuff up and people will flock to you and you'll have more business than you can handle. And then they're in for a rude awakening. So they might spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on equipment and maybe tens of thousands of dollars on building out a nice office. And then their cousin has a friend that took a class at a junior college and they give them 500 bucks to build a website and then it does no good for them. And so I think that bringing in the old school marketing of curating and developing worthwhile content and delivering it in a way that targets an ideal client and leveraging the power of social media and search engine optimization is more the winning formula for successful advertising versus this me too free stuff that people do on their own. Agreed. So you focus a lot on storytelling as well, right? So when it comes to a, a business and conveying their story, uh, give me an idea of why that's, why that's important for us as consumers. Well, because if, if a business tells you what they do for a living, you can go out and find other companies that do the same thing. Okay. And then it becomes a competition for price. And if you're trying to undercut competitors in the same space, it's a race to the bottom. Then if you take one step in and start telling your prospects how you do it, why your process is better in a different way that is beneficial to the consumer, then you've eliminated that kind of price competition. And then if you dig down even deeper, and you connect your prospects to the reason, the why, why you're involved. You know, in the old days, Simon Sinek calls it the why, but back in the old days, it was your purpose, your mission, your calling. But if your prospects connect with why you do something and why you got into the industry, they're probably going to support you a lot longer. And they're going to bypass and step over competitors with a lower price that they're not connected to because they resonate with you. They, your, your message resonates with them. They connect with your why. And, and ideally, that's how you want to build a relationship. Of course, you still have to give them deliverables, but it, that becomes your differentiator. So that's why it's important to tell the right story. And that's how human beings learn. That's yeah. how we've learned for thousands of years. That's we how we pass connect. along stories. You know, people don't remember facts. They remember stories. And so, they remember how they felt. When That's they right. heard the story. Oh, absolutely. So, for example, I work with a, a variety of charities. So uh, homelessness is one of my big things. Uh, kids battling cancer, kids with disabilities. So when I go out and promote, I don't say we help 500 or 5,000 children. I tell the story of Moy or Emery and how she got leukemia when she was three years old and how her mom died in a car accident a year and a half ago, and then her dad was putting together a, uh, a princess party for her, and then he ends up in the hospital with sharp stomach pains, and then he ends up passing away from stage four cancer. And the dad made the story public because they did a GoFundMe and they were on TV. So I didn't exploit their story. I actually talked to the dad and I worked with him on getting him some childcare for his daughter and also getting him a job before, obviously a few months before he passed away. And so he, he thanked me for helping share his story. 
and getting it out there. And then that's why people came out to the gala that I chaired for the charity that they that supported them. And that's why we were able to get more people than they had ever gotten at the gala before. And that's why we were able to raise more money than we were at, not because we've helped 500 kids over the past three years. See what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a great <laughs> illustration. So you guys obviously bring a lot to the table, Sharkmatic does. Uh, what do you think is really keeping you competitive, maybe even overly competitive compared to your competition? What's your standout? Well, one is, and I say this you know, wholeheartedly, uh, that I don't feel like I have any competition. When I meet people that own other ad agencies, I want to know more about them and I want them to know more about me. And I want to know how I can collaborate with them. We've done work for other bigger agencies where they sub us out to do the websites. I mean, we've completed a thousand websites. It's not because I'm the world's best salesman. It's because we put out a good product and then other agencies look at our work. They like it. They know they can mark it up and then they don't have to bring on additional staff and they can sub out to us and we can white label for them. But it's mostly because as cliche as it sounds, I actually care about the success of my clients. And I know that it's a nice slogan and people can use that all day long, but I, I take it personally. If my clients don't achieve their goals or if a client has a bad quarter or a bad year, I want to know about it and I want to know what I can do. And I'll give you an example. When the pandemic started, 40% of my business of Sharkmatic revenue disappeared, not because we weren't doing a good job, but my clients either had no business, the restaurants closed, the, wa the car washes closed, whatever it was. And they were like, we need to save money. So they stopped advertising for a while. The ones that were good pays and good clients, and I didn't want to see them disappear from Google, I told them, I said, we have capacity. Now that 40% of our revenue disappeared, we have time. So I'm going to continue to do your stuff at no charge. You're not going to owe me in arrears. We're just going to do it. And now let's say by October, November of 2020, you guys are back on track. You're making money on the honor system. Just start paying us again. And if you don't until next year, then we'll just continue it as long as we can. And then we stayed busy. I continued to pay my people. It was going to be a down year. <clears throat> my clients were so appreciative. You think they're going to leave me now because I jack up the prices five bucks an hour? They're not going to. There's a certain loyalty and I helped them. Now, the ones that were bad pays that owed me money that wanted me to continue to do a bunch of stuff for them for free, I told them no because they owed me money from when they had money. Now they have no money. So there's no prospect of them paying me. So that was a nice way of cleansing our firm from clients that were sort of deadbeat pays, right? Now, <clears throat> fast forward to 2021. Turned out to be one of our best years in 10 years. Why? Because in addition to the added loyalty and those clients coming back or never leaving us, even though they didn't pay us for a certain amount of time, I started looking to see which industries were doing well during the pandemic. So I went out and picked up a pool builder, three home remodelers, a home builder, and all these people that were doing really well during the pandemic. And by the time fourth quarter rolled around, I had already made up more than 50% of our revenue shortfall. And that momentum carried us and propelled us through 21. And then 22 turned out to be a great year because again, we have that momentum. It's sort of the right thing. I probably wouldn't have done that had I been earlier in my career, but now I have the time, the wherewithal, the staff, and the pocketbook to be able to sustain these kinds of downturns. And again, when I look for vendors, that's what I look for too. I look for people that are going to be able to weather the storm. I don't want the fly-by-nights that are charging a cheap price right now and that are going to be gone 
next week or next month. So what would you say to a business that really kind of looks at marketing as more of an expense as opposed to an investment? What would be some reason? I mean, because it can be legitimate, right? Because they can actually spend money on marketing that does nothing for them. That would be an expense. And that would be an expense. And that's correct. Now, marketing done right should work and should bring prospects and clients to your doorstep, in which case it becomes an investment and a return. And you have to have a return on investment. It's not easy to figure out a direct ROI. When you do pay-per-click, you could say, okay, the campaign brought me, I spent $3,000, it brought me $10,000 worth of gross business and my margin was this and it paid for itself. That's easier to tell. But organic, search engine optimization, raising your your viewers on your website from 400 to 4,000, which is doable over time, it's hard to figure out an ROI on that. But you have to have some faith that it's the right thing. That you know what? Out of those additional 10x new new uh, eyeballs on the website, I got new business from it. Especially when people are telling me, oh, I found you on Google. I found you on Bing. I found you right. on whatever. And then you know. And then what's the lifetime value of those clients, right? Because those clients they didn't just buy once. And then what about the people that they referred to? So look, most of my business comes from networking, but we still optimize our own site. I still run Facebook ads from time to time. I still do... Uh, Google ads and all that stuff because one, you never know. And two, I want to get my name out there. And the other day, somebody just told me, they're like, oh my God, we went to the website for the San Antonio Public Library for this Holocaust thing. And then I'm looking down and I see it and it says, whatever, by Sharkmatic. Because again, my company's philanthropic in addition to me. So we donate our services for stuff like that. You never know where people are going to find you and see you. And then what if, what if I'm not here? What if I'm in the Bahamas or get run over by a bus? I want my business to perpetuate and I don't want it to be the Howie show where I have to bring in all the business. So I want some kind of automated marketing thing that people know about us and they come to us because they see us out in the community. Yeah, so the ROI isn't always necessarily a direct customer right away, but through support. And then it, social media is kind of that in a way that it people go there to confirm that you're a relevant business, that you know what you're doing and so forth. Um, and to learn more about what you're doing before they decide they want to call you. So, I right. mean, it does all kind of work together. Mm-hmm. All right, Absolutely. how people want to get in touch with you, how they do that? Sharkmatic.com or look up uh, uh, com. That's my personal stuff, public speaking. I don't do it as a business. Again, I do it to contribute to society, but sharkmatic.com, very easy. Find us there. We're located here in San Antonio. We do work nationally. But uh, we have a full-blown staff at, 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 in my office, people that went to college here in San Antonio. So you have real human beings working on your stuff. And we like that, as opposed yeah. to bots, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> AI. Thanks, Howie. I appreciate AI that. The world. <laughs>